Hi, Tony Silva. And I'm Charles Wiz. And this is episode 62, the start of our fourth year of uh, two, year, two, te- two Teachers Talking, where Charles and I get together to discuss teaching and things that work, problems that we find, and things that just confuse us. Um, we do this now each month, and it had gotten pretty easy and just kind of flowed, but sometimes it doesn't. And this is one of those that's been kind of difficult to get off the ground, but we're doing it. Well, have we tried how many times? I don't know, but this must be number four. We've had technical problems, <laughs> right? We've had technical trouble. Personality trouble. Well, that's always the case with me. Anytime I'm in the room, you know that there's a personality problem. So yeah, this yeah, one's this been... One, this one's been difficult. But yeah, four years, you know, and um, we've done, I think, you know... We, the the content is what it is, but you know we've never had sound dropouts. We never had dogs barking, cats meowing, doorbells. We had a cat, bar- a dog barking once. Yeah, but the, nobody else knew that. That's a good point. I mean, we did. I mean, we had it at our end, but I mean, our product has been. We haven't put out a flawed podcast. Well, that's four big, years. Well, that's credit pat, goes pat to on, you. Big credit pat goes on to you here, for the audio engineering. Pat. Yeah, I mean, one of these days we should do a shout out for the equipment we're using, mm. right? Because yeah, I think it's people... pretty it's pretty down basic and simple for people to get in. So you know, kind of a minimal minimal buy in, right? right? And the stuff we're using seems to be reasonable quality, and it's not expensive at all. But I'll tell you, you totally... do like an adjunct, like a little extra thing, a little extra one, maybe. It, uh, what when we have extra when we have extra time? <laughs> yeah, when I have a little more free time in my life, yeah, okay. Like one of those days. Yeah. Speaking of difficult. <laughs> Speaking of difficult, uh, about you know people getting in the way and trying to make our jobs even harder than they are. People just trying to make educating our young people more and more difficult, huh? Unintentionally, um, I think. Uh, unintentionally? That's Possibly. that's part part of the argument. Well, part of the discussion today. That's part of the today. question, right? That's a Is it intentional right? or unintentional? So we got to, we're talking about some impediments that uh, we face. And, some small uh, impediments. And I, I want to <laughs> say through ignorance, and, it is, I, and maybe I side with you that it's unintentional constructs that through, I'm guessing, ignorance and misperceptions about um, education itself get thrown in the road, make our already tough job even harder. Well, I think part of it, what we're probably going to look at too, is what happens when people make education decisions top-down decisions from people who are not in the classroom and haven't been in the classroom in a very long time. The very likely source of impediments is that top-down mentality, for sure. Right. And people who have been in the top and removed for too long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but or that's, a, that's an age-old problem. Place. That's an age-old problem for educators, mm-hmm. that people who are making the decisions are not the people in the classroom. Correct. So, anyway, why don't you give us some background of this mysterious problem that we are okay, talking about? Okay, we have two problems, right? So we're talking about um, uh, things that have happened externally that kind of have impacted uh, our actions and roles in the classroom and the way we teach, or may in the future. Um, and we're going to try to wrestle in our heads where this is coming from, why it is in the first place, and just trying to understand the different ways of thinking about it. And it's, the topic came up because of two incidents over the last, it, that occurred in the last six months. Um, one, and this is something that's been happening actually over the last few years, uh, decisions by some prefectures in Japan to ban uh, any kind of online communication between, among teachers and students. And uh, to be clear, to be fair, this is this ban is uh, directed at high school and I 
presumably junior high school teachers and students. So right now, not affecting university education. However, uh, the, uh, the thought of it is there, and these things do have a way of creeping once, once instituted. And uh, the second one is um, uh, a statement, a caution, from the Ministry of Education in Japan uh, that teachers should use only appropriate supplemental materials in their classroom. This is also for high school, junior high school. No, I think that is also for university. Really? I think so. Appropriate. I mean, it's, it, right now it's, yeah, it was only directed at specific, but it's a general uh, statement that I think that applies throughout. Any idea what appropriate means? Well, that's the thing. And that's, you know, part, yeah. part of it you know, later on with you know, the need for specific guidelines and things. But um, the question there is, um, is this coming from an edu from a pedagogical perspective or a political stance, right? And given the, the climate in Tokyo, you can draw your own conclusions. Um, you mean it's not just sunny and warm? <laughs> and my guess also that this probably impacts the high school history classes most directly but yeah that's you know my immediate response is that's sure. what that is sure, sure that's just another attempt at uh the history classes right but that's what but once once the precedent is set um there's all kinds of ways that you can imagine that might impact the, uh, our role. And again, talk about this two-pronged thing. So here we've got an external decision, but um, at the same time as educators and we, you know, and as former supervisors, we also were aware that, yeah, sometimes <laughs> teachers do need to get called in on the choice of inappropriate supplemental materials. Um and then the whole question of teacher autonomy and academic freedom, and maybe more importantly, is like at what point in that chain of command uh, do these decisions or should these decisions be made? But something similar is also happening in the United States. It's oh yeah, the, what is it called? It's the the warning. What there's a certain I just thought of it. I never I hadn't connected it before, Tony, to this issue, but that. Pe professors have to announce that some of the material might be offensive. And oh, what, the, it's, the, what's it called? Something sensitive. Um, Ninety-ninety sensitive. Warning oh. sensitive or, or something. something, right. Warning. Yeah, right. That, for people who, so for example, if, for, for, for example, me, someone who has been in a major earthquake with PTSD, that there has to be a warning that, okay, in this class we're going to discuss earthquakes, and if you're sensitive to that, then yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's true, whatever it's. Um, but the range abuse, of use rape etc etc exactly exactly so there's so this isn't just isolated this appropriate material in a certain way but there's been a different approach to it yeah and i guess you know you couch the whole thing is well yeah it's kind of, it seems like at least worldwide if you you know in our own myopic way we see the world as you and i japan and the united states um this much broader attack on teaching right we tell you a couple of years ago we had uh um, guest Dennis Murawski from Chicago. Yeah. Talking about uh, the attack on teachers. And he's retired now and, uh, you know, and feels <laughs> quite relieved because the, the, the uh, field of teaching had changed so much in his tenure. But 
Okay. We ready to go? Okay. So <clears throat> do we want to work with the appropriate materials first and then move into the... Your call. Your call, man. Well, we seem to be on the appropriate okay, materials anyhow, so right. I think let's continue. And then maybe the shorter one, I think. And also, in some ways, the easier one. Maybe, yeah, I think. Well, it seems... Well, it's it's... There seems to be that a need for the teacher to look at a material and say, is this appropriate? Is it not? And we all do that. You look at a material and you think, you know, this is not appropriate for my students for a variety of reasons. It could be, and you could look at it on a linguistic level. You know, the vocabulary load is too high for the students. Um, the material requires too much background information. Teachers are always balancing those kind of decisions. And then you look at the content and sometimes the content is appropriate and the content isn't appropriate. I don't know if in my experience I've ever seen a teacher use inappropriate materials at the university level. Have you? Um, have I ever seen someone use inappropriate? I have not seen, um, but I have kind of thought to myself that, um, well, no, actually, yes, I have. Um, for example, um, I won't mention the, the, the school, but yeah, there was a teacher um, who was um, teaching ba you know, kind of basic English communication classes and, you know, just in stripe of conversation in teacher's room. is like, what are you doing? He says, oh, well, um, I, I show him a lot of uh, Mr. Bean movies. And I says, oh, well, that's kind of interesting since there's no speaking. Um, well, so how do you? How, yeah, that's the most that's interesting good. part, is right. <laughs> so, okay, well, that's. I'm well, working that's, on their well, listening maybe comprehension. He's doing something really creative. Okay, so maybe they, you know, he's having the students write scripts, and act the thing. You know, I, yeah, I don't. Well, that's kind of that's it's, it's kind of curious. Like, well, well, so so what do you what do you do with that? Well, nothing. I just show them. I just show them the movies. They like it. So yeah, <laughs> that's maybe one case. Um, oh, by the way, I do like your idea. That's a great idea. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that was the first. He's like, well, geez, this is kind of interesting because right. a lot of times, um, I can't say a lot of times, but I have in the past, you know, when, when you've got, you know, supplemental videos like for the textbook that you're using, you run it the first time without the dialogue and you have them, you know, try and guess what the people are saying. And it's like, well, what, what's a likely statement at this point? You know, really short, like a 20 second or 30 second clip. It's okay. What are they saying? What do you think? Um, and that you know, so I thought he was doing something like that with Mr. Bean. Um, there's another case where um, I was in a <clears throat> semi um, oh, pretty coordinated program, and uh, you know, we were gonna, you know, at the beginning of the year, there was a, a meeting and a discussing about what we're going to do, how we were going to coordinate things, which is really nice because the teachers were being pulled into this. Um, and one of the one of the other part time teachers threw a basically I can describe as a hissy fit because he wasn't going to be able to use his materials because he uses lots of music in the classroom. And I don't know that it was or wasn't appropriate, but it certainly didn't seem to co fit too closely with the goals that were being thrown out there. So whether or not his collection of music that he used in his classes was appropriate or not, um, so these are really programmatic issues, what you're describing here, mm, right? Well, More pedagogical materials, right? Yeah, right. Um, the the uh, yeah. Where do you where do you where do you where do you slice it? <clears throat> okay, and my, I'm assuming that this directive to use more appropriate materials is not 
in the way we're talking about it right I now. I agree with you. That's a completely different thing. But it's part of the same question about the decision about what gets used, what's appropriate, and what's not. And what's the mechanism for that? Right. You know, how do we balance what the teacher does in the classroom, what the teacher knows? Because let's be honest, a teacher in a classroom knows is the only person who really knows what's going on compared to someone who's not been in that classroom and teaching. Mm, mm. So if a teacher says, look, I think this is appropriate, and then somebody says, well, I don't think it is, how do you deal with that? Right. And... Um... This is I, I don't want to cut the cut the thing short as I often do just kind of blop something down there that makes up for the discussion possible. But this my in it my thought as as we're talking about this is that it goes back to something else that we discussed uh, maybe th- maybe three years ago two or three years ago um, the importance of hiring the right people. I mean if if the person you don't trust the person that you've hired. Why did you hire them in the first place? Uh, I think a lot too much, too little attention is paid to um, the people that get hired, or the process that and criteria that go into hiring people is fundamentally flawed. Yes, that requires <laughs> this kind yes. of like after the fact micromanagement and um, and problems. Right. So yeah, you make a greater effort to hire someone who's got the judgment to the proper, you know, to, to choose appropriate materials, whether it's level or whether it's political correctness or how volatile it might be, you know, um, and, and, you know, most people do, right. Um, one of the, um, is, is it's happening more and more, I'm sure to you too. It's like, you know, being one of the, the lions now, the older, elder lions in the, in the teacher's room, um, teachers will come and say, well, you know, I'm thinking about using this video in my class, but I don't know, this is, this is a girl's, girl's college, and do you think it's okay? Do you think it's appropriate? I don't, I don't want to get in trouble, right? So most teachers, I mean, have this in their noggin somewhere that, yeah, yeah. I have a responsibility to choose something that's appropriate for my students in, in, in any way, whether it's level, whether it's content, whether it's, it's you know, controversialness. Um, but, um, and sometimes you have teachers who don't have that, but as you said, the mechanism of the process, how, what happens then and from where, I mean, you, is it a decision that's made by the coordinator? Is it the, the president of the university who's got his, his or her own hot buttons? Or is it, you know, a bureaucrat in Tokyo who's never, maybe never been in charge of a classroom? Oh dear! Don't even get me started on that last statement. Well, but that's that's where but this that's is the coming reality. from, right? It's, that, it's that, very I mean, true. This is the problem. It's, You've got people making decisions in about the Ministry of what Education. What happens in the classroom that have never taught? Yes. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to find out more. You know what the statistics are on that? You know the number of people who are in the Ministry of Education who actually have classroom teaching experience and not and only... didn't leave because they didn't like it. <laughs> right. Right. And not only. The, the the amount of experience, but the t- kind, right? Because yes. their classroom experience might be, for example, five years of teaching at a university, which for them meant standing in, in back of a podium and reading their textbook to the mm. students. Yeah, there's a lot. But I want to return to the, the mechanism issue, Go. Tony. And one 
is the problem we've talked about this before is that it seems to be you either have coordinated programs or completely free programs that and i know that there are some situations where i've worked that people will say for example the purpose of this class is to enable communication students should be able to explain and express their ideas and interact with native speakers. And that's the actual guidance for a class. And it's meaningless. It doesn't provide any outcomes. It doesn't provide anything concrete in the term of you know, what the learners are supposed to achieve. Um, there are no goals and objectives. So part of it, I think, is that the schools assume that somebody's going to do the right thing. And then that works really well until somebody does the wrong thing. And then they go to the other side rather than figuring out that, you know, it doesn't necessarily hurt to get your people together and get kind of a general consensus about what you want to do and what's generally acceptable. So the example would be gender issues. Um, let's take gay marriage, for example. It's, I think, an appropriate topic in the classroom. It's um, relevant, it's current, it seems to be an issue in many countries in the world. But I'm thinking that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, some people would have considered that an inappropriate topic. Mm, I, I would agree. So we have this issue as to what I'm going to call, for lack of a better term, historical appropriateness. Now, what we'd have to do then is say, okay, you can only use what's appropriate at the moment, but then you get into the political side of that. Mm -hmm. And our goal of educators is what might not be considered appropriate is being confused with something called controversial. And that is a very, very strange, muddy, gray, mushy area, I think. So when we talk about appropriate, maybe what we can do is we can say, what is currently acceptable as discussion with, let's say, your students, or what the students would be discussing with each other at lunchtime. Let's look at a university level, for example. I would say that's a reasonable definition of appropriate. Controversial means that something's in the air, that people have different opinions, that there's no clear understanding of how the issue should be dealt with. Again, I'm going to say that I think controversial issues, as long as they are, what's what, how should I best say it? Con you, it's okay to bring controversial issues into the classroom as long as they are appropriate in terms of the general content. There's some things you can't talk about and there's some things you can't. I don't think I would talk about, for example, um, pornography. But I might, in an advanced class that's looking at international issues, you might bring something in into, you know, women and child trafficking. Who's to decide whether that's controversial or not con or inappropriate? I think that's the kind of thing that has to be talked about and hammered out with, with the teachers in kind of a, you know, real open, friendly situation. What do you think? Yeah, I mean those those kind of things. I I agree. I mean, you're talking about point of decision, and I think people closest to the classroom are the best equipped to to make those kinds of decisions. And you know, just to bring like for example, 
a completely different perspective on appropriate, inappropriate, and, and how it can get uh, twisted and misguided. Um, you know, um, in our country, in the United States these days, um, you can very easily see that in some places where a teacher could get hung high and dry for, for example, something as we consider un, uncontroversial. Is, evolution, um, teaching evolution, evolution <laughs> teaching <right>? evolution, <laughs> and get and get fired for it. Um, uh, again, those decisions made by people who are, you know, distant from the classroom. Um, <sighs> yeah, and it also, though, brings up another issue, which is what's the purpose of education, mm. right? Is it to expose people to new ideas or ideas that they might not initially believe in or agree with or um, and help them? And, help them to see different sides how, how do how are we supposed to teach critical thinking there you go that's where i was going with this yeah right yeah go ahead yeah what? the whole thing is like okay when you talk about most of the time when people talk about inappropriate materials because really, i don't think they really care about whether it's too easy or too difficult for them most of the time I, people outside the classroom right mm-hmm. um most of the time when that label gets <laughs> gets thrown and thrown out it's talking about withholding information and an attack on critical thinking so the, what they do not want is the students to have access to all the facts, and they do not want the students to be able to form their own opinions. They want the teacher to support an approved mode of thought. That's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Well, is it, maybe it's the law of unintentional, unintended consequences. I'm not, yeah, it's the intention, right? Intent. I don't. I don't. It's going to be really, really hard for us here to to figure that out. Um, you know, fear, um, a, a firm belief, and this is what's right. right? Okay, that, what's best for the country or for the the student? Right? Let's take that out of the equation and just look at it from a perspective of critical thinking. Is it possible to teach really? good critical thinking and have a really interesting and inspiring critical thinking class without controversial materials. I'm tossing that one out. I, I have a hard way. No, um, I think it's possible <laughs> to, uh, however, I think it's possible to introduce a lot of the skills involved in critical thinking with non-controversial topics. Um, which I do. Uh, it's a couple, some of my advanced level classes, and we do do lots of controversial topics. Um, but at the beginning of the year, now, um, the first thing we do is something very benign, something like first impressions. And the, how important are first impressions? Um, how much do you change yourself uh, to make a first impression? How 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 much of the changing yourself to make a good impression is acceptable is how much when does it become a lie a false thing not very controversial but it teaches them to take a look at different perspectives form an opinion and then be, have to be able to explain well okay you've got this opinion where did it come from what are the, what are the values what are the assumptions that you're basing these things on why do you okay this is what you think why do you think that way um yeah First impression is not a very controversial subject, but 
um, if, if those skills are to develop, then yeah, it's, it's got to move on to deeper waters. And I don't think there's a way to do that without breaking some eggs. If you don't like all those mixed metaphors. <laughs> yeah, I believe that I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I think when you start out teaching critical thinking, you have to start out with some basic concepts, basic ideas, and the material can't be too controversial. And some, something unthreatening, right? Right, because you have to how to unpack the thinking behind an argument or discussion, how to discover things, how to look for right the premises, for example, in an argument. What, what are the claims? But I'm thinking that I can't get the students to really buy in unless the topic is really exciting for them and by definition exciting is going to be controversial it's you know has to have like raised strong feelings because part of the learning process in critical thinking is learning to not be emotional not have a knee-jerk reaction and if the material is not controversial then they get no experience with that mm-hmm. so yeah in the sense of appropriate materials um i think some m- general guidances are really helpful for people and they should be done at the school level by people who have been in the classroom and who know and who can say hey if you bring this topic in we've had you know our experience is that it doesn't work very well with the students they don't care for it they don't like it they find it offensive or something that makes sense to me yes and and i agree with you that it should be at the school level because we we talked in the in the past about um, school cultures uh, both administrative and and student body and things, um, and there can be big differences between among different schools and the student body and the administrative stance. <clears throat> and what one school would be very very comfortable with might raise some flags at an at another school. Yes, depending exactly. on their yes political or religious backgrounds right so and especially i think we have to make a, a distinction between private schools and public schools mm-hmm. you know if you're at a national or a prefectural or a city school then those schools should i think be more open than a private school let's say that might have be coming from a certain religious background right so those those in, although in I didn't realize that I'd been teaching at like a school, I think, that had, was based on Christian beliefs. I didn't know that for like 10 years mm. until one day I read the website. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was an interesting. So it's not the same. Well, that's, that's a good thing, though. It's a good thing that you were able to exist in that environment for 10 years and not know what its background was. I think was, that was like fa- founding background. But yeah. there was never... And then I started asking people about it, and they were just like, it's not a real central part of the school at this point in time, mm-hmm. but it's a founding set of principles. But I think controversial is okay. I think what we have to, and but then we get into the argument of what's offensive. But mm-hmm. again, I think that most people, every teacher I know who I talk with has a sense of what's okay. And, you know, when you're pushing too far. Well, we think so, uh, but uh, just you know, throw this out, not 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 devil's advocate, but okay. Please. So we think uh, okay, we think a certain way. We think this is perfectly okay, blah blah. blah. And a student goes home, and uh, parents say, "Okay, what's going on?" They say, "Oh, we had an interesting English class." That is, that yeah, my my teacher really thinks that um, 
gay marriage should be legalized. And the father goes through the roof. Ah, well, you see, that's an interesting thing because now we're talking about a teaching approach. I would tend to introduce the topic, but not give my opinion. Even if asked? Until the discussion was finished and the students had gone through the whole, let's say it's a critical thinking class. Yeah, I would Mm -hmm. really hold back on my opinion for as long as possible because I want them to be thinking about it because my opinion is going to affect them too much. And then I would preface it, you know, always, I'm not saying just this is not on just the gay marriage issue, but on a whole variety of issues um, that, you know, this is my opinion. But within, during the discussion, I tend to try not to influence the discussion. What would you do in that situation? You're trying to, your students are talking about, let's say, gay marriage, and they're having a discussion. Would you... Well, I'm, I'm going to throw up, as they, okay, which, at what point in the class, because, yeah, I, I kind of do the same thing you do. Yeah, at right, right. At what point in the class... Is it right to give this? my opinion? So I would not make my opinion part of the introductory lecture. Okay. Uh, students go into groups. If someone in the group asked me my opinion, I would give my opinion with an explanation. And I would also explain why other people would disagree with that. But okay. I said, and I would probably re-emphasize that, yeah, that's what I think, but we're not here to learn what I think. Right. And Very, very interesting little bit that I want to throw in with this, please. specifically because we're talking about critical thinking. And it's one of those rare moments where students come to you and, and you get this insight into what's going on in their heads. Because we're trying to get into the heads of these people who make the decisions who think way differently than we do. And uh, no one thinks more differently than we do. Understanding alien intelligence, <laughs> yes. But this was a this was an interesting student. And he um, uh, he had some problems. He was this is the one you've mentioned a few this times, of, I think. No, no, it's not. This is, this is a different this one. This is the kid I failed for plagiarism. But he, he's not a bad kid. <laughs> um. But he said to me, and it's, it's really, it's really interesting. He says, he says, Sensei, um, you're always telling us that we should have our own opinions. But I come to school because I want the teachers to tell me what opinions I should have. Mm, well, he's halfway there and halfway on the wrong road. Right, and I says, well, okay, good. That's that's. I understand you respect your teacher's opinions, and and you know, hopefully that they're opinions that are worth having, whether whatever they are. I said, but what happens if you have two teachers with conflicting opinions? And I say, for example, a capital punishment. One one of your teachers says that capital punishment is necessary and a very effective deterrent, and you have somebody else who says that, no, capital punishment doesn't work. I says, the reason I tell you to have your own opinion is because I'm trying to teach you to go out and get the facts and get the information, look at the facts, listen to other people's arguments, and then make your own decision. Is That's what one of the things we're trying to do here. I don't know if he got it or not, you know, but um, that that thought about, yeah, the, the teacher's supposed to tell me what to think. Well, that's why I am hesitant to give my opinions. Right, right, right. No, no, I no, I agree with you. Right. In other words, if the student had come to me and said, you know, I want to hear teachers' opinions so then I can formulate my own, mm. that's a radically different approach to... Oh, completely different. Right. Yeah, and a different pr- student. <laughs> and given that we're in Japan, 
and the incredible, incredible influence a professor has, a sensei sure. has. In all um, the ways we don't want. Yeah. It, <laughs> the ways we do. Exactly. Oh, that's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> don't get me started there again. That's my, what is it now? The uh, fourth week has just ended. <laughs> something like this. Um, and I was about to say something, Tony, and I just totally <laughs> lost it, which I think was your intent there. Or actually, wow, I just feel like... I feel like I'm lecturing here. Where, where no, was student, I? Student opinions. Yeah, student opinions. Opinion, teacher opinions. You have to be really careful with those opinions. So Sure, sure. When I'm talking about, for example, with students who are going to be teachers about the importance of listening to students, obtaining feedback, that's evidence-based. There's research that shows that. Now, once the research indicates that that's wrong, I can retract that, but I can report to my students that evidence indicates, but it's very rare for me to say, this is the right thing. This is the right way. Yeah, I almost never say that. Right, yeah. right. But I, I think that there are people who do, but the stu some of the students who are taking our classes want that because sure. it makes life easy. So sure, sure, sure. Give it, don't make me work. Give it to me. No, well, it, it's, or different sometimes. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's that young person looking for some guidance mm -hmm. who wants an expert opinion. And you know, sometimes that's all they need to push them onto a path of exploration because the opinion is interesting to them. But overall, I think the appropriate material issue really revolves around how does the teacher present material? How does a teacher see themselves in the classroom? How do they see their role? And how careful are they with power and exercising that power in terms of expressing their opinions and their ideas? Sure. Context is everything. Again, that's where we're coming you, back you, you to. You have like a, an image that you use and like in the context of the classroom it makes perfect sense, but you take the image out without the explanation. Say, look at this teacher showing this to the students. It's like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> a little bit different. But, um, as time is rolling on, we're talking about student-teacher uh, relationships. Maybe it's time to move to the other one, to the other half? Well, I think so, and they are connected. Just, if you got more to say about this one, then wind it up and move on. I, no, I'm fine about this. I think that we're in agreement that it's really something that has to be done at the local matter, and the guidance just simply has to be that controversial material that is age-appropriate and cognitively appropriate is okay. And if it's politically controversial, that's okay too. I think that that kind of clarity is really helpful. And as long as it's decided on the local level, I'm fine. But if somebody from you know a government office is going to give me a list of materials that I can use, I have real issues and difficulties with that, as I think well, most yeah, people we do. Yeah, because know what's going to be on that list. <laughs> and it wouldn't even matter, you know, if it was from a political perspective that I agree with. Yeah, I'd yeah, still I'm, be opposed to the list. Well, yeah, we're not in the job of limiting knowledge, right? No, the, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> by, by definition. And I'm not in the job of limiting learning by limiting mm -hmm. the input, Yeah. right, in that sense. So, okay, so the other one is kind of real. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I think it's definitely, I'm going to go with, we're going um, introduce into, um, to, into the term knee-jerk response, mm. in a way. Why don't you go ahead, Tony, since you... So the, the okay, so the, the catalyst here uh, is uh, a a ban, a ban. Uh, a Nonetheless, ban. a ban. A ban. Is it a total ban? 
as in forbidden, yeah. Uh, in some prefectures in Japan, on online communication between teachers and students. Now, this is for high school um, and presumably, presumably junior high school. So it doesn't affect us yet, as we, as we talked about this kind of creep, right? So, yeah, the, uh, the recent thing about appropriate materials probably refers to the possession of certain islands and what did or didn't happen in the 20th century, World War II. But here, too, the target being high school, which is maybe understandable, but yeah, your knee-jerk overreaction um, comment is is you know, the first that comes to the fore. Um, but uh, with um, this is such a, such a just a loaded topic, right? Because you've got this the incredible pace of change in technology and communication, which and in students lifestyle, high school and university, and what how that digital communication is part of their life and, and how that is so integrated into their lives, to cut that out, right? Um, and what it means for the people who are making this ban. Um, but the I, for me, um, well, the, the other part of it is this very, you know, Luddite lack of understanding of how all that works online communication, what it is and what it means, and uh, probably people who don't have, an, have a, a smartphone, you know? And have a clue. Yeah, don't have a clue. But for, and, but for me, the bigger issue uh, with this is it bespeaks a whole complete <laughs> misunderstanding of what education is and the whole notion of the teacher-student relationship compounded by the fact that there the the way that technology is changing education it's like a worse it's a perfect storm of go ahead hedge the, the word, word stupidity it's stupidity it's the only word that can <laughs> come up i thought we'd get through this without using the word stupid but there yeah there we go we promised <laughs> hey we we promised sure it would be you <laughs> But it was me. Well, I, I I knew I I knew I had won at the point that there was that slight hesitation in your voice, and I could just I could hear like just like you're scuba diving into your mind to find an alternative word. But no, it was guided deeply down. That's the best word. There was a light the at the end of the tunnel. The it's just stupidity. Good for you. Good for you. Continue, please. Mm. No, well, I mean, I'm throwing it out there. So, um, yeah, um. And with and with with your um, uh, uh, take on it on that aspect of it, right? The the knee jerk overreaction. Um, actually, there uh, for, for your own edification, this is a for mine. This, well, no, you you and everyone else, the the the, the royal you. <laughs> is there such a thing as the royal you? And I'm just made it up. Well, then I shouldn't have asked that. We could have just <laughs> run with it, and people go, "Wow, that so, Tony Silva has a real knowledge of British culture." <laughs> Well, I'm very democratic. Yeah. Um, it's called post hoc ergo propter hoc. Yes. Okay. And that's the logical fallacy that if uh, something, event A occurred after B, then B must have caused A. But that's so true. Just because it happened first, true. it must have. Well, yeah, that's right. true. And that, that, that's exactly <laughs> what this is. 
This is exactly what this is. It's like they're banning online communication because something happened. Something bad happened. And online communication was happening. And therefore, that needs to stop. There was without any thought about what actually might be causing, what role, if any, was played in it. It's just, it's, it's hard to stay calm with this, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's again, it's the correlation does not imply causation. Right. Right, but I like the, the Latin is good. In fact, I think it actually came up in a West Wing episode. Ah, okay. Which is, by the way, you know, I, um, I, I was trying to figure out why I enjoy West Wing so much. And I realized that it's different because it's actually, it's drama, but you actually see people really trying to deal with these kind of issues from a wide set of perspectives and try to find solutions. I like I like it too, and I like it because it it it's smart people us the way that we wish we were. Yes, I, it's the way I wish my government worked, and it, yeah. it's a dream of having for anyone who hasn't watched it. It's just a show about really, really super intelligent people who are pithy and witty, trying to solve problems, and are passionate about it, and are dealing with it on a real world basis, and balancing ideology and ideas with reality. But anyway, this is a perfect example of you're right. It happened after the fact. Therefore, we will ban anything that was connected to it. And it's just... Couch, couch, Charles. Couch, couch. couch Tell us about the couch. <laughs> I don't want to talk about... Okay. This is a story... No, because it's, no, it's a perfect parallel, right? Okay. I'm pretty sure this is true. Okay. I can't confirm it. A friend of mine at another university, and I'm not saying university names or anything, said that there was some incident at the school that took place in a professor's office on a couch. Some incident, let's say, of like inappropriate um, touching or sexual harassment. I'm not exactly sure what happened. It was reported. The student reported it. Some I don't know what happened in terms of the professors, but what I was told from my friend was that... <laughs> Sorry, I can't say this story without cracking up. That from that point onward, if I'm correct... Professors could no longer use any funds for the purchase of sofas, and it's possible that sofas were banned. No, any purchase of a sofa was banned. So in other words, because something bad happened on a sofa in one situation, boom, sofas are now banned. Now, and as I turned to the person and said, well, what would have happened if it were a desk or a printer? So it's just, again, it's a knee-jerk reaction. It happened one time. There's no connection between the two, I think. There's no evidence. And that's the key, Tony. I think this is what we're really getting at again. And it's the importance of basing decisions on evidence, on data, right? This is a knee-jerk decision that has nothing to deal with the reality. Out of how many teacher emails or teacher contacts, student-teacher contacts, using digital um, communication has this happened? Exactly. And it goes back to, you know, actually what we talked about earlier today. It's like what I was talking about. Um, yeah, if you can't trust this teacher to conduct himself properly with online communication with the student, um, well, why did you hire this person? Because this person is face to face with these students every day or every week or, you know, however often the class meets. Um isn't it more likely that the problem is going to come up with face-to-face -face communication rather than online communication, which is 
more distant, which is um, documentable either evidence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like yeah. the least, the least likely if, uh, venue, uh, um, avenue for this um, to take that out. It's like it's, yeah. It's one. It's that. Yeah. It's that. Sorry. Stupid knee-jerk overreaction, but it's a completely complete shows a complete lack of understanding about the entire education process and the the, the uh, relationship between teachers and students and trying to impose what an ancient view sure right i mean where yeah where the where the teacher the teacher's job is to stand in front of the class and, and talk and then leave the classroom okay right and I think I've talked about this before. This is, but this is how it ties into a wider picture. And I think you've done a really good job of situating the issue as an education issue and not just as a, you know, an absurd reaction to a tech issue. It really is. What's the relationship between the teacher and student? And I agree with you. And I think it's really good. There's a, a school I know that just built a whole new building. I've talked about this and it's, state-of-the-art building and what did they do tables and a lectern in front with two giant backboards and two screens and the point is it's the people who designed that classroom were not in the classroom the people who designed and built the classroom did not bother to even talk to teachers so I would be interested to see if how many teachers were pulled on this like when this thing came down this issue came up. Did you get the teachers together and say, how are you guys using email? How are you using SNS? How are you using websites to teach your classes? Is there, you know, what can we do to improve the communication system? How can we make sure that something like this doesn't happen again? Instead of saying, let's just ban the thing outright. And the flip side of that, Tony, is while we were just talking right now, a student emailed me, because it's a university student, to apologize for missing the class yesterday. And said, I'm really sorry I was absent. I was sick all day. I know to check the website. I know to, you know, I understand what the homework is. You know, just wanted to inform you. You want to ban that? I now have gotten some good feedback that the student is responsible. They care. They understand the importance of informing a teacher about their absence. Oh, yeah, let's just ban that because somebody was predatory. And by the way, how many predatory acts... Was were there preceded the internet? <laughs> How many preceded the internet? Yes, or or occurred with a, with someone with, a, with okay. a, an email no. account. I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's insane, right? Okay. It's absolutely insane. So let's go back a little, and I think we talked before we started the podcast about our attempt. <laughs> we're not doing very well of trying to see it from their side. So one way to look at it is what would have happened twenty years ago if a teacher called a student on the telephone. If a teacher had a conversation with a student on the telephone, how do you think that would have been? Viewed? Well, I think well, it just hinges on the content, right? Uh, I mean, well, why why did the teacher call? Is he is, did he call because the student's not trying hard enough? Is it is a student is a teacher calling because the student's missing from class? Is a student is a teacher calling because you know he wants to talk to their parents? Um, the the telephone is is a is a, is a straw man. The internet is a straw man. It's just it's just a means of communication. Um, what you're saying is the issue. <laughs> it's, it's not that it's a, not that it's a keyboard or, or a phone or, or, a you know, or an iPhone today, or whatever it is that the medium is, is in this case is irrelevant. It, it's what you're, 
the what what is it that you're communicating? I'm just trying um, to see it from their point of view. I don't, don't yeah. Don't assume. I, well, I think I think from their I think from their point of view, and I'm I'm not going to be that kind. Um, and it kind of I'm kind of um, you know, hanging them without a trial. But the only way that I can make sense out of it is it's coming from and not stupidity, but but from ignorance. Um, they're not familiar at all. Again, with, with the classroom, the people that we're teaching, um, what their lives are like, and what life is like now in 2015 for a normal person. Um, and the integration of that offline, that online communication in people's lives and how integral it is. And without it, you just don't exist. I, I have a hard time believing that these people don't understand email. Because I, 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 I don't know, Tony, I, I, because, I, I, you know, I emails on the weekends, work emails after nine o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night. That never would have happened with a telephone. There is a difference. There has been a change, don't you think? Yes. You would never I, have called somebody. If somebody called you at home from work, it was pretty serious, or you were the CEO, right? Mm. But now we get emails all the time. I'm sure that these people who are civil servants and are working excessive hours are possibly emailing each other. They use email all the time. That's how they communicate. Are, are are you saying that you think that they don't understand that teachers use emails in the classroom? I think, I, yes, I, that's what I'm saying. And I, I think that they have no idea, even though they use email, which kids would laugh at and say, well, that's so 20th century. Um, yeah, I've heard of email. Yeah, email. Um, Why would you? Do you have, don't you have a better system? They're, but they're, but they're, yeah, as I'm saying, the degree of integra integration in their life of that technology is not just email at night or, or whatever it's yeah email already for, is that that's you know for us i mean we're, we're we're relics and that's still our primary mode of communication but for them for our kids that's just hmm, a, a small chunk of everything that's going on in uh in that in that aspect of their life their communication so it's a it i think it's it's a not only the the, the tech part Okay, I think that really, I think really does stem from ignorance about um, exactly how other people, like they, they, those people understand email in a certain way uh, to give orders or to share information, et cetera, et cetera. But um, in terms of that, you know, second to second, um, in touch communication type thing, to them, I think that's totally foreign. Oh, you're I talking. I think they get it. Okay. I don't think they've ever experienced it. Right, texting. S short right. SMS and you know for example right. Facebook right. the kind of stuff that drives them crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> the kids people people on the train staring at their phones all the time. I love I love that one because I always like put next to the picture with you know from the from the nineteen sixties with people on a on a train all, without everyone's head buried in a in a newspaper. Right. It's like what's, what's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah. Um, but they're reading, yeah. But it's the National Enquirer. <laughs> <laughs> but but you Again, don't know but that's that the key. Not reading Shakespeare on their phone either. Right, but that's the key, though. Right, is that you assume there's an assumption about content, and you hmm, tie so, the content yeah, the to the medium. Yeah. And uh, the other the other thing part, and I'm going to drag this into the into the tech a little bit. I thought you were going to drag this into the 21st century, but that's okay. Well, same, kind of the same thing. It's hard to it's hard to do do that, but. Um, with in education, as we've mentioned a number of times on the podcast, the integration of tech into the educational reality here has been slow. 
Uh, and, slow. And, but, 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 but I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily a bad thing. Because you get Interesting point. lots of accounts, lots of stories from the United States. That's where I get my news, uh, largely. And uh, talking about like really poor integration, poor Im- implementation, uh, or attempts to I- implement uh, tech into the educational experience. <coughs> These people just aren't exploiting the, the better parts of it, the more useful parts of it. Now, um, where administrators think about getting tech in high school, okay, into, into education, say, okay, great. We can put this all online and we can hire fewer teachers. We can, we, we can save some money. That's inevitably what they're talking about. They're, okay, the students interact with the, the machines and we can get the t- teachers out of it. And for a lot of classes, that, that's fine. For a lot of content, that's fine. But the other part of that is, is that, that the uh, new technology and the digitization uh, of education, one of the things that it opens up is that increased interaction between the teacher and the student. And this, this decision here is just like, com- yeah, anyway, how do you, the, it's, it's taking away the bit, one of the biggest advantages of technology because the only reason they have a teacher, and this, and this is the part, I mean, again, the ignorance that they just don't get. The only reason they have a teacher is that interaction. Good point. Good point. I mean, the, 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 for the informa- information source, I mean, yeah, that's what they think about as education. You know, the, the, the sage on the stage, reading your lecture notes to class after class, and they write them down and they spit them back on the test. That's their notion of a teacher. That's crap. The information the students can get, I mean, well, we teach them to get it themselves. The information is there. Well, the point of it is. Our value lies in helping them digest Guiding the way, say, okay, posing questions, posing problems, suggesting in, when necessary solutions, and so forth and so on. That is our value. <laughs> it's, it's not in how, how much you know. It, it's, it's in how you can navigate and guide them through a learning experience so that at the end, you see the light bulbs go on and say, okay, that's great. Okay, now I can go home. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's the interaction. That's our only reason for existence. And, and it, you know, I could be cynical and say, well, yeah, they're trying to get rid of the teachers altogether and then they'd be much happier. But you couldn't do anything by email. (laughs) How are you going to do distance learning? How are you going to, you're going to ban digital communication and then use online learning. You put it online and they download it. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> print out, download the book and print it out and then write your answers on the paper and then scan it and it's, send it's it. It's taking the worst of the current situation and putting it online. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yes, that's exactly, yes. It's insane, yes. it's insane. And, uh, you know, also I know that um, a lot of the best stuff that goes on in my classrooms are the are the student comments that get posted to the website yeah. right and then my replies and i can get to see their learning i get to it, see their learning outside of the classroom so what you're going to do sorry i'm just going to run with this one go go in, go 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 is you're now going to take away another perspective on my ability of obtaining feedback from my students mm. thank you 
That's what I really need in my classroom. That's what I need in my experience is less feedback from my students, <laughs> is getting less of an idea of actually what they're happening, because now you're assuming that every student's going to perform in the classroom. Whereas there's that stu there are students who are going to do really well at home after thinking about and thinking about the class and what they heard and what they read, and then they have time to plan their response, and they're going to post a really brilliant, you know, comment on the website no but we can't have that because it's digital communication and then let me see though somebody will say it's okay for them to post but i can't comment or they'll say it's okay for you to comment but you can't send an email to the student so hmm. what happens if and this is what happened a student posted to the website unbelievably lengthy post insightful deep it was a real example of a student running with an idea bringing in extra reading, posting that. But I didn't want to praise the student um, on the on the, on the the comments page, right? Because then you get into a whole thing, is that appropriate? The reverse thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, all the things that the happens. Reverse pride. And right, right, right. of being successful. Exactly. So I sent an email to the student, you know, saying, look, this was just excellent. This is the kind of thing that, you know, makes a teacher feel really good about teaching. Okay, so you're going to ban that also. But here would be my question to these these people, which is, if you require teachers to use the school email address, let's say, the school system, you've got a perf you've got a permanent record. If a student ever makes a complaint, all you've got to do is look up the email files. Mm -hmm. You should be banning telephone calls because <laughs> there's no or private record. conversations. Yeah, because there's no record of those. Right? It's. Uh, on all fronts, mm. on all fronts, it's just insanely silly. Right, and I want to I want to underscore this talk about like the the need for that student feedback. I mean, if anything, again, this with this new technology of email, Facebook, whatever it is, uh, an invaluable source of feedback from the students that you would ne a lot of which never, you would never get. get in the class because I'm all over the place. I am student. All of my students have my email address. Um, Facebook, without reservation, Twitter, um, don't do really line anymore. But um, who would give up that? Those lines of that, communication. That resource, right? Yes. Um, you get that information. You can tailor. You can craft the nuggets um, for what you know. You can with that insight into what's going on inside their head for whether it's a the whole class or for independent students and personalize things. And the only way you can do that is, is if you know your students. And if you're not engaging with them online, you're never going to know them. All you're going to know is the, is that the, the classroom persona of each of those students, seeing them outside, it's, it's a whole new world. It's a whole nother window. And getting to you know, know the students without that direct interaction, good luck. And yeah, um, right. teaching is personal. <laughs> yes. It is personal. Yeah. Or the best teaching is. Yeah. Now, let me see. So if I look at all these Hollywood movies and movies throughout the world, it's always the inspiring teacher who spends extra time with the students, communicates with them, right? No, you don't want me to do that. And people complain that teachers don't do enough. This technology, for example, during the, the spring break, I'm working with my seminar students or um, the, the you know summer break, for example, or during holidays or weekends. They're doing a lot of stuff. We can use Skype to talk. We can talk about what they're working on. Why would I? You want to ban that again. Mm. And now let me see if I have this right. So you have a couple of people who have misused the system 
and then you're going to ban the system for me that I, by the way, and Tony, you know, I'm, this is true for, I think, most teachers who spend their weekends replying to students. Yep. I, I just spent an entire weekend last weekend in front of my computer, re, you know, posting to my website, student comments, replying to emails, grading students. Ah, another great thing. You can give students grades privately with email as long as you stay on the school system. The student and, and better, students will ask questions on email that they will never ask. Exactly. But you can get them the grade before they come to class or before right. they've completed the next right. assignment. There's not the and the one anyway, I just yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that that's that's our that's the podcast. That's a wrap. It's, it's stupid. That's it. It's totally <laughs> stupid. And it's from the same kind of people who would email you at nine o'clock on a Saturday night about something that could wait until Monday. Because they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are two teachers. <laughs> I don't think we can end it on a better note than that. All right, let's go. Let, let's go with that. That's good. <laughs> it, it's just you know every you know it's just a matter of real honesty. This one's just boneheaded. Yeah, and obviously we have no direct answers. Just like all I can say is carry on. <laughs> no, I would no. I think what you should do is publicize all your digital resources. So it's on every syllabus. It's available. Um, so the school knows what you're using and you've got a permanent record of all your communications. And you make sure that you use a specific email. If you don't have a university email address that's given to you by the university, set up your uh, specific one that is only for student contact. That's a real good Archive idea. That's everything. A, that's a very good idea. Not only for your own sanity, because it keeps all that stuff separate, but also for a matter of record. That's right. Keep copies of all that stuff because, yes, it's all documentable. It's like, yeah. Here, here's the email. Yeah, why would you want to ban that? <laughs> <laughs> Ask Hillary. Okay, so we are two teachers talking to about stupidity. Okay, two teachers talking dot com and two teachers talking at, at gmail dot com, and we're on mm. iTunes. And if you're listening, you're probably listening to us as a podcast, and we're available in another variety of ways. Yeah, but two teachers us. talking should get you there. Yeah, somehow. Somehow. <laughs> I think it tends to work pretty well. And we'd love to hear from people on this one. You know, do you have any comments? Or are we off the are we off the deep end in thinking that it's just a totally stupid knee-jerk response? Which is really possible because you because you and I both are like so deep into the tech. Maybe there's people out there who's like like these guys are nuts. Okay, but I want to let us know. <laughs> I know I, I know we're trying to end this, Tony, but I don't think we're deep into tech. I think both you and I are deep into tech that enhances our teaching. I know people who will use tech just to use tech. I don't think we're those kind of people. Okay. And okay, I think you have I mean, to. I think if you put like a uh, on, on the scale, right? The, the teachers we're probably are closer to the tech, and yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, I think both you and I come at it from if the tech enhances learning, use it. Mm -hmm. If the mm -hmm. tech does not enhance learning, no problem. Don't use exactly. it. Exactly. And that's exactly. why it's important to realize why we feel it's stupid. <laughs> And why it's important to hire the right people. And get a better Damn hiring it. process, yes. Right. Okay. Well, they hired me, so I'm not complaining. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tony, I'm going to go back and take care of some stuff, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to work. Okay. Right? Be well. All right. <laughs>